Hi, my name is Roy. The Old Testament reading is found in Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The word of the Lord. My name is James, and the New Testament reading is found in 1 John 2, uh, 12 through 14. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on an account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one, the word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Tim. Thank you for standing for the gospel reading found in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, a special day of Father's Day. And Lord, we're so grateful that we can call you Father, that we are your sons and your daughters, that you have rescued us from darkness, brought us into the kingdom of your dear Son. And Lord, today we celebrate you, the Father of all fathers. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, you may be seated. Welcome, everybody. Again, my name is Jeremiah Parks. I'd like to see again all the fathers. Could you just raise your hands? Because I couldn't get a good... All right. Awesome. We've got a lot of dads in here. Dads, what you're doing is extremely important, and you are awesome. And we get the joy and the honor and privilege of reflecting our Father God in a unique and special way to our kids. So I, I, I just want to say how honored I am to be here today and to speak to you because I stand before you as a husband and a father, but as a man who should not be either of those things. I shouldn't be a husband, and I shouldn't be a father, but I am by the grace of God. So today we're, we're closing out a series called This Functional Family, not dysfunctional, but this functional family. 
And it's not just about our immediate families, but our family of God, the family of Christ, the relationships between us all. And particularly, Pastor Glenn is focused on the emotion that we practice in our relationships. So I'm just going to recap for you real quick the last several weeks. The first one was emotion and formation, then fear, then anger, sadness. Last week was joy. And today, we're going to talk about emotional healing through forgiveness. Emotional healing through forgiveness. So as it's Father's Day today, I thought it would be appropriate to share a little bit of my own story and my journey of emotional healing. And, and you know, I love stories so much because a story, any story, in a sense, can become our own story, right? That's why we love books and movies, these stories that we can enter into. And so my prayer for you is over these next few minutes that my pain could connect to your pain, that my journey would somehow connect into your journey, and that my healing and restoration would connect with your journey and healing and restoration. And that together, we could today overcome evil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. So, let's jump in. My earliest memories... One of my earliest memories is hiding on the side of the couch. It was a brown and orange plaid couch. This was in the late 70s, and I was hiding there because my mom and dad were fighting. And I saw my mom stumble out of the room as my dad was abusing her, and then I would see her stumble back into the room and out of sight again. And my mom was yelling and screaming and crying, and, and I'm sitting there hiding in fear, and my mom says, Jeremiah, go get the phone. Call my dad. Call Papa to help. Well, I was only three years old. I didn't even know how to use a phone. I had never used a phone. So I sat there helpless and afraid, trembling in fear, and that was kind of the tone of my childhood. Now, my dad, he, he was, on one hand, a really, really amazing person. He could be very affectionate, very loving. He was an extremely outgoing person, very social. Everybody in the community knows him, loves him. Uh, he was a really handsome guy, just very winsome personality, and, and was a lot of fun, actually. We would do all kinds of adventures together, and I enjoyed that time with him, and he, and he could be very, very wonderful. But then there was this dark side, and it was really, really, really dark. And so it was confusing as a child growing up in that because I never knew which version of my dad I was going to get. And there were drugs and alcohol involved and probably some sort of disorders and who knows? I don't know all the extent of what was going on in him, but I know the things that he did. So I want to just paint a little bit of a picture for you of what that looked like for me. Um, so I, when my dad would discipline me, even in the discipline was abuse. So he might say, uh, let's say I, I did something wrong, I got in trouble for something, and I deserve to have you know, discipline for that. He would say, come on, let's go to your room. And this is when he's, you know, calm. 
And, and he would say, all right, Jeremiah, bend over the bed. You're going to get 10 swats. And so these swats, though, were not with like the spanking spoon. This was a belt. And I grew up in Texas, so this was a Texas belt, and it was a leather belt, and it had the big giant belt buckle, and it was a long belt. And he wouldn't fold the belt, but he would have it, you know, stretched out, and he would hit me with that belt across the back, across the legs, you know, all over. And he would count, okay, you're getting 10 swats, so he would start in one, two, three, and by, by three, I'm, I'm already done, you know. I, I'm crying, I'm, Dad, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, please stop. And he would go four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and I'm thinking, I, I can't possibly take another hit, but just one more and we're done and this will be over. And then he would stop and he would say, Jeremiah, what, what number was I on? I can't, I can't remember. And I would say, Dad, you were on nine. You're almost done. Just one more. And he'd say, no, I, I can't remember. You know what? I'm going to have to start over. And he would start back at one. One, two, three, four. And he would do the same thing. Oh, I forgot. And he would start over. And by the time that little episode was done, I am trembling with pain. And he would leave me there in the room. There was never the, uh, you know, don't do that again and I love you kind of talk. That was in discipline. Then there were the times that he was filled with rage. This was like, just imagine fire in the eyes and gritted teeth and yelling. Just very, very scary, very violent. And in those times of rage, my dad would just do horrible things. Um, Punch me, kick me, throw me to the ground, grab me by the hair, drag me across the house. He would, he would, um, it was just absolute violence. And in those times, there, there were also these like torture situations, this psychological torture. I think there was somehow this twisted thing where my dad would, would actually find pleasure in seeing me suffer and, and in hearing me beg and plead for mercy, which I was constantly doing in those moments. You know, please stop. Please, dad, I'm sorry. And so the psychological part of it is there were times where he would, as he was beating me, would drag me to the kitchen, find the biggest knife in the drawer and put the knife to my throat and say, I'm going to kill you. Or put that knife to my wrist and say, I'm going to cut your hand off. Uh, There were times where he would put me in a trash bag and tie the trash bag up and he'd poke some holes in it so I could breathe and throw me in the back of his truck and drive me out to a field somewhere, and he would say, I'm going to leave you here. And I've arranged for some people to come get you, and they're going to take you away, and you're never going to see your mom again. You're never going to see your little brothers again. And I would, he would leave me there, and I would sit in this bag trembling, but I wouldn't try to get out. I was so afraid and so controlled by fear and, and a while later, I'd hear this truck pull up, and I would think, these are the guys, and they're coming to get me. 
And it turns out it'd be my dad. And he would say, oh, I changed my mind. You know, you can come back home. And then, as bad as all of that was, the worst thing, really, was the words that he would say. In those fits of rage, in those moments, he would, he would tell me the most awful things. He, he would tell me that I was a mistake, that I should have never been born, that I was stupid, that I couldn't do anything thing right, that I was always messing up. And so those moments where, you know, as a father, you speak life into your kids and destiny over your kids, my dad was speaking curses over me. And as I got older, this got worse and worse and more intense, and the abuse towards my mom got more intense, until finally one day, my dad abused my mom so badly that he put her in the hospital. And he went to jail. And at that time, I was just about to turn 12 years old, and I was starting to realize how twisted and dark and abnormal this was, and, and starting to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm on the brink of becoming a young man. I can do something about this. And so I started to plot to get a gun. And I said, this can't happen again. This has gone too far, and I won't see my mom like this again. And so if I have to, I will kill my dad. And I was planning how to try to do that. And only days after I had made that decision, suddenly and tragically, my dad died in a work accident. And the shock and the sorrow and the remorse that I felt that day was overwhelming. So many mixed emotions. It was just a few days before I turned 12. And I said to my mom that day, Mom, I mean, we were weeping, we were broken, we were sad. I loved my dad, but I hated my dad. And I said to my mom that day, Mom, you're never going to be beaten again. We're safe now. And there was this sense of relief, this sense of safety, but also this great sense of guilt because I wanted him to die, and I was plotting to kill him if I had to. And so I thought, is this my fault that he's dead? And I missed him, but I was glad he was gone. And I thought, now, okay, everything's going to be good. Now, I grew up going to church. My mom always brought us to church. My dad didn't go to church. But we always were in church, and I always believed that God loved me, and I loved him, and I thought, okay, now everything's going to be good. I went into seventh grade. That was in the summer when he died, and in the fall started seventh grade. Seventh grade was hard. I was, I was a broken kid. I was so confused, and I didn't know who I was, and I, I thought that who I was was worthless, that I was trash. And I had no value. I was so insecure. Just tried to hide in the background all the time. But I was depressed, I think. It was a really dark time. Seventh grade, eighth grade was the same. Now, it had been about two years since my dad had died. And it's summertime. And my mom made me go to this camp with the youth group at our church. It was a few hours away from home. I didn't want to go. I had a bad attitude. But as I was there... I encountered God in a miraculous way. The very first night, I'm on the back row. There's hundreds of kids from lots of different youth groups. And the pastor's preaching, 
And at the end of his message, he gives this call for people to come down, and I come down to the front, and the pastor points me out in the crowd, and he says, young man, you are so full of pain, and you're full of anger towards your father, and you've been hurt by him. He's not even in your life anymore, is he? And I was just totally shocked, and I just shook my head, no, he's not. And he started to minister to me, and he said, you need to forgive your dad. And I knew that I had to forgive him, and I, I know I always went to church, and I knew that I was supposed to forgive him, I think I had tried to forgive him, but in that moment, something really deep happened in my soul, and from the depths of me, I said the words, I forgive my dad. And when I said that, it's like this cork came off the bottle, and I just exploded I just started to weep. I fell to my knees and I wept and I wept and I wept. And he ministered to me and he said, young man, the Lord wants you to know that from this day on, he will be your father and he's going to teach you how to be a man. And those words changed my life. And I stayed there. I could not get up, and I just kept crying and crying. And I remember, I'm I'm 14-year-old teenage boy. I'm crying in front of all these peers of mine, but I didn't even care. It just, it was like God and I were there having this moment. And the, the pastor went on with the service, and I stayed there, and I wept and wept. And when I got up, it was probably two hours later, I was just a different person. And forgiveness is what unlocked that process for me. It changed me. It brought healing into my life. People didn't even recognize me after that. Like, what happened to you? Who is this guy? And it's like I was now suddenly becoming the person that God intended for me to be instead of all the curses that my dad had spoken over me. Changed my life so dramatically on a subconscious level into my soul. I had been having these nightmares that my dad was coming back to life and abusing me for those two years since he had died. And that night, those nightmares stopped. And, and since that time, actually, I've started having dreams from God, these supernatural dreams from the Lord. And, and another thing that happened is I had said, right before I went to that camp, there was a situation where I was abusing my little brother. I had become the man of the house after my dad died and my little brothers uh, and my sister. I said, okay, I've, I'm in charge. And so I found myself abusing them. And, and I had, there was one situation where I was on top of my brother beating him and he's begging me for mercy and he's crying and I was doing the same thing my dad had always done to me. And I, I got up, not out of mercy, but when I was done and I got up and I was walking away from my brother and it's as if the enemy whispered into my ear, you're gonna be just like your dad and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And so in that moment, I made a vow that I would never get married and I would never have children because I thought that's the only way I could make sure that I don't do the same thing that my dad did. But as I've already told you, I am a husband and I am a father and I'm really happy to say this, 
I'm actually a really, really good husband, and I'm a really, really good dad. Would you guys agree? Okay. Not because of me, but because God transformed me so deeply, so dramatically. Did he rescue me out of darkness and change my life? And the same is true for all of us. Scripture is so clear in saying that we have been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son of God. And so over the next few minutes, I just want to make a few points. That, that's kind of the bulk of my story. There's about a thousand other details that I could tell you if we had about 10 more hours. But I want to just pull out a couple of ideas to leave you with. As we're talking today about emotional healing, I first just want to say that it's essential for us to find emotional healing. Because when we don't, we get stuck. We all have wounds in our life. We've all been wounded by someone, and we will be wounded again in this life. It's just what happens. But if we don't learn to forgive, if we get stuck in unforgiveness, then we get cluttered, and our, our, our emotions get cluttered, and we get stuck, and then we are not able to respond in appropriate ways to appropriate degrees when things happen in our life. So for instance, something happens to you that should cause you to weep. It would be appropriate with this situation to cry. But instead, you're numb because you have all of this baggage. Or there's some offense that happens to you. It's a small thing, but instead of reacting appropriately, you blow up with anger because you're emotionally stuck. And so it's important for us to find healing in our emotions. And forgiveness is the essential ingredient for emotional healing. It's an absolute must. But it's, it's not only so that we can feel and respond to the right, the right degrees. I think it's actually much bigger than that. And it's because... Forgiveness is necessary for relationships. Forgiveness is a must if we're going to love, if we're going to have relationship. And I think God has demonstrated this to us by the mere fact that he even created us. He knew that in making us, there would be taking a risk. He knew that there would be a wounding, that there would be pain. He knew that his son would end up on the cross. But he took the risk to give us that free will so that he could love us. And the same is true for us as we love others. But here's why it's so critical for our lives. It's because of the answer Jesus gave when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? So you heard the reading earlier. He says the greatest commandment is that we love God with everything that we are and that we love our neighbor, that we love others as we love ourselves. Well, that's a tall order, isn't it? pretty impossible to do because the greatest commandment and the second one that's like it is I have to love God with everything in me and I have to love other people like I love myself. How could I ever do that? Well, what if you didn't see the greatest commandment as an obligation, 
But instead, you realize that the greatest commandment and your greatest desire is the same thing. Your greatest desire is to love God with all that you are and to love others as you love yourself. But it's really difficult to do that. It's impossible to do that when you're emotionally stuck. When you have all this baggage, when you're fragmented, when you're broken inside, uh, it takes a person who is emotionally healed and whole to be able to have the love of God to flow through. And of course, none of us are perfect, but we want to work towards that healing. We do get wounded in life, and we have to learn to forgive time and time and time again. And, you know, I see this as, here's a a good picture of what I think life looks like for us, uh, because we will be wounded as we love people, as we offer ourselves in relationships, there are going to be wounds. Uh, I see it as kind of like the way that my boys and I wrestle. So here's Camden and Asher. At home, we have wrestling mats, we have boxing gloves, we have headgear, we have mouthpieces, and, and we like to go at it. We like to wrestle. Uh, Matt Ayers is right here. He'll tell you. He's been on the mats at our house. For us, it's like a love language. We, we love to fight. And every time we do, somebody gets hurt. Every time we wrestle, there's someone's crying, someone's got a bloody nose, and as they're getting bigger and stronger, sometimes that person crying is me. Sometimes I'm the one injured, but we love to wrestle. As we do, we hurt each other, and I think that's kind of a picture of how life is. When we get into relationship with others, we're locked up, we're close in life, and as we do that, Sometimes we intentionally and other times unintentionally hurt each other. You see what I'm saying? An accidental bloody nose or that was an on-purpose bloody nose, but we hurt each other in life. So we have to learn to forgive. It's absolutely necessary. But here's the really good news. Forgiveness is impossible. And why is that good news? Because my point is forgiveness in our own strength it's is not possible. But in Christ, it is. Here's how we know this. The Father has given us his final decision on all sin, on all wounds, on all wrongdoings. When we even did the worst thing that imaginable, we, the human race, killed the very Son of God. And the Father has made his final decision on all sin when he resurrected his son Jesus, and he says, you're forgiven. So all of us have been forgiven, and we are empowered to forgive through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So it's not just willpower. I don't know about you, but I've tried to willpower my way into forgiving people. Because I know I'm supposed to, right? So if something happens, you go, okay, I need to just, I need to get over that. I need to let that go. I forgive that person. But then you realize later it's still there, and maybe it's growing into something ugly inside of your heart, and it's affecting this relationship that you have, and that's when you stop and go, okay, this isn't just my own strength here. Yes, I have to make the choice, but Jesus, I need your resurrection power in this situation. Because the truth is, the the wounds that people inflict upon us, they can 
destroy us. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever experienced something that just crushed you, burned you down to ashes? We can't underestimate the destruction that can be done by the sin of others, but it's the resurrection power of Jesus that brings us back to life makes us whole again, something that we could never do on our own. So forgiveness is impossible outside of Christ. And then here's my last point. Forgiveness is practice. Forgiveness is practice. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. And he says, when you do that, when you love your enemies, because look, guys, Everybody loves the people who love them back. Sinners do that. So what credit is you to do that? This is Jesus. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what Jesus is saying. He says, but I'm asking you to love your enemies. And when you do that, you will be children of God. Because God, your Father, He is good to the wicked. He is kind and merciful to the unjust And when you love your enemies, you are acting like him. You're doing what he does. Now, I know that for us, a lot of times, our our enemies are not the people down the street that we're afraid might kill us. That's not the culture and the environment for the most part that most of us live in. But our enemies today, if we were to ask ourselves that question, our enemy might be an ex-spouse, It might be an ex-friend. It might be your father or mother, your brother or sister, your son or your daughter. Can you forgive? Can you love them? And I'm not saying that you throw yourself into a relationship where you're going to be hurt and abused or taken advantage of or whatever. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. There's a difference between forgiving someone and then letting them have power and control and a voice in your life. So I'm not saying throw yourself into a dangerous situation. But here's the litmus test. If you want to know, have you really forgiven somebody? Can you bless them? Can you bless that person? Doesn't mean face-to-face even. But can you pray for them? Can you say, Father, I want the best in their life Bless them, Lord, with abundance. Bless them in relationship. Draw them close to you. Lord, let their life flourish. And if you can pray that, if you can bless with your words and with your heart that person, then you have forgiven them. And that, again, is practice. In the world that we live in, forgiveness is not normal. Emotional healing and wholeness isn't normal. What is normal is vengeance, grudges, retaliation, cold shoulder, right? I'm going to punish you through distancing myself from you. That's what's normal. But guys, we are not normal. And we are not of this world. We are part of a new kingdom in a different world, a different way of living. 
that Jesus inaugurated with his life and his death and his resurrection, and he started something new. And yes, it's not complete yet. There is a time coming where it will be fulfilled and complete, and we can do this perfectly. We can love perfectly, and there won't be sin against each other anymore, and we won't hurt each other anymore. But now, When we practice forgiveness, we are strengthening our legs to stand in the world that is coming. We're working towards the world that is coming. We are becoming whole and emotionally healed people who are able to understand and begin to comprehend our desire to fully love and to be fully loved. So my challenge to us today is that we would be people who live into the future, that we would act like things are complete even when they're not yet, and we would love those who have hurt us. We will love those who even may continue to hurt us. This is possible through the power of Jesus. And I I can tell you that the work that God did in my heart concerning my dad was so complete and so thorough, and I, and I know it was supernatural because after that day, I never have, I, I, I'm telling you the truth, I've never had one moment since that day where I have thought ill of my dad. I can even tell the stories of what he's done, but I don't hold it against him because I was able to see his brokenness And when we hurt each other, that's the reality. Hurting people hurt people. And and if someone has hurt you, it's because there's a brokenness in them. But through the eyes of God and the compassion of God, you can see them the way he sees them. And I miss my dad. I look forward to someday seeing my dad again. And like I said earlier, there are a thousand other details about the story that I, I would tell you if we had time. But I will just say, just to give glory and honor to God, that just before my dad died, he went and found a pastor, and he confessed his sin, and he gave his life to Christ. And a couple days later, he died. So I know that I will see him. And I actually, I miss him, and I want to see him, and I look forward to that day. And there's no way that would be possible except for the power of Christ in my life. So let's be people who practice forgiveness. Let's be like Jesus. It's not in our own strength, but it's in his. So as we prepare our hearts to come to the table and receive the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus, let's be reminded that we are people who have been forgiven. And it's through his power that we can also forgive. So if you would... Bow your heads, quiet your hearts. I'm going to lead us in a short prayer, and then we're just going to take a moment to be silent before God. Lord, today, your spirit is here with us, manifests presence in this room. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that in these next few moments, Lord, you would activate your word that has been spoken this morning. And for anyone who is holding an offense whether it's something small or something that was absolutely life-shattering, Lord, I pray that this morning, this moment, you would give us opportunity to lay that at the cross 
and that, Lord, we would surrender because you're not asking us to muster up the power and the strength to forgive those who have hurt us. You're just asking us to surrender and to give it to you. And in exchange, you give to us the power, the same power that raised you from the dead, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the spirit that dwells in us and gives us the power to forgive. So Lord, help us this morning to surrender to you and to surrender to your will, not our will, to surrender to your power, not our own strength. Lord, help us to forgive.